Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any person's living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Hey guys! Welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. And today we continue our episode on aging. This one we're going to get real hip deep into human aging. We talked about all the weirdo animals that for some reason God said they get to live forever. (laughs) And not me, not Nathan. (laughs) But maybe science can change that, Sean. Yes. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what the deal is with human aging, and then also what evidence there is out there for stuff that can extend our lifespans, and then also make it so that for that longer time that we are alive, it's less shitty, which is another concern. And then, you know, whether or not biological immortality is actually possible for human beings. If you guys want to skip to the end, the answer is mostly exercise, which is a huge, (laughs) a huge boner kill. Thank you, science. But anyway, guys, we'll get into that in just a moment. Okay, guys, apparently humans age weird and not just Asians. Humans in general. So, Sean, tell me about some human aging. How are we weird? Well, there's this general trend in mammals where the larger your body mass, the higher your maximum life expectancy. Sure, like elephants live like 80 years or whatever, if we don't shoot them. Whales live like 140 years, (laughs) and mice live as long as Sean decides. (laughs) That's true. I am generally their grim reaper. Usually mice are alive for like two to three years or something, right? And so in the animal world, there are strange outliers for that rule. Naked mole rats live for like 30 years, and they're not that much bigger than mice. But... Humans, compared to other primates, and some of those primates are bigger than we are, have more mass than us, we actually live longer than they do. Right. So our life expectancy pretty significantly outstrips what we should have as a life expectancy based on how big we are. Although, like, if it weren't for medical science, like, probably hunter-gatherers are usually dying around, like, 40 or 50, right? You know, it's hard to say. The science is a little bit undetermined on that. Because on one hand... A lot of statistics that we have for life expectancy, you know this, right? That from like the Middle Ages and shit is skewed because of deaths during childbirth or like very young infancy. Right. Right. So like childhood mortality made it so that the average age got Sure. Down There's actually plenty of people in their 60s and 70s. It's just like we lost so many babies. Right. And, you know, the Greeks and Romans had like fucking old ass dudes running around being patricians and shit. Yeah. So, uh. Being pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows how it's, long Epstein would have been alive yeah, if he yeah, hadn't yeah, gotten suicided true. in jail. <laughs> Which is a funny joke because we know he's alive. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is the more popular conspiracy theory now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is now that now that everyone 
in the regular media is like, don't you think this is suspicious? Yeah. Then the conspiracy theorists are like, isn't it suspicious how much they want us to think he's dead? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say probably with hunter-gatherers, I think we found some human remains that were like actually pretty advanced in age also. Okay. Yeah. And so I think just basically human maximum life expectancy has sat around kind of where it always has. And just in some ages, we would die from diseases more, right. who knows what. But we do a pretty good job against other higher primates. Okay, so that's that's pretty good. What's yeah. up with that, though? Right. So we have a lot of the same genes. We make very similar yeah, we're proteins. we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Am I adopted? Compared to primates. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying I have less genes with you than a chimp? <laughs> but one thing... Is that the levels of the proteins, the amounts of the proteins that get made, can be kind of different. So, oh. for example, comparing humans to, like, chimpanzees, there are 93 proteins in liver that are expressed in different levels. Okay. And 253 in the kidneys that are expressed in different levels. There are these differences that might be happening, not necessarily on the genetic level, but on the epigenetic level. Okay, so we're epigenetically better than chimps. Yeah. Dude, I was just reading that the UK press called Meghan Markle's baby a chimp. And it's like, those guys are so racist. <laughs> I've never cared about royal news, but now I kind of do because they're trying to put down one of us biracials. Okay, yeah, we yeah. gotta we gotta fuck those guys up. Yeah, we gotta stand up. We gotta stand up for Meghan. I didn't really like suits that much, but... We gotta stand up against the UK press, I guess. I like putting about. it like that, because I don't want to stand up for Meghan Markle, but I do want to stand up against the UK press. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they, they don't pay attention to us. <laughs> <laughs> Boris Johnson is just steaming mad. Yeah, they're, they're not going to know. Okay, so <laughs> humans are weird. We live longer than we should anyway, probably because we're in God's image. But what can we do to get us to that Methuselah age? How do we get back to the early Bible? All right, so here's the first place that you lied to our audience. They didn't need to wait until the end. Right oh. now, my answer is exercise is number one. That's true. On what you should do. Click podcast <laughs> off. <laughs> exercise is probably not going to help you live past 120. That's still, is, I mean, that's still 80 more years than me. <laughs> 120 is probably where we max out. Something in the 120s. Yeah. But it will help you live better up until then to get relatively low impact but regular exercise. Right. And so there is this balance there and that there's lots of kinds of exercise that can actually wear out your joints and stuff yeah. like that. Right. Like like if you just jog. Right. It's better to do an elliptical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And swimming, for example, is a really good exercise mm. to do. Yoga. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Probably Pilates. I don't know. Missionary position. <laughs> right. Doggy. Bad for your knees. Okay. <laughs> Missionary? I mean, probably a lot of positions work out your abs a good amount. You get that core going. Shit. <laughs> so you don't want to do things that are going to make it so that you need to get a hip replacement or something like right. that. All of those kinds of joint replacement surgeries are just really not that great for you. That's lowering the life expectancy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But aside from that, regular exercise does reduce morbidity and mortality in humans across the board. Mm. And motility. I don't think it reduces motility. The sperm swims less because <laughs> it's so strong. Only if you're riding the bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, then that makes your dick fall off is what I learned. Is I, that true? A lot of bike seats are not great for your balls. Oh, I always knew I hated bikes and I thought it was just because I want to make a right turn, but the guy's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's because my balls are already pretty weak, Sean. Well, it's just the way the bike seats are. You can also kind of cut off blood flow a little bit to your wow. dick and balls. It could just not be great for you. There's a lot of people out there who like riding their bike, and I think 
doing it some. I think the exercise part usually outweighs the what it does to your dick and balls. Yeah. Maybe you want to be sterile. <laughs> Except for at the extreme ends. Yeah. I don't um, want people in Venice Beach to have more kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Venetians. Poor Venetians. <laughs> <laughs> So I would say low impact, high intensity interval training is probably a really good choice along okay. with swimming. And realistically, I think regularity is something that matters a lot. Right. Now, guys, we're going to get into one that's really crazy, very controversial, caloric restriction. Now, Sean, when I hear that term, it just sounds to me like, put down the fork, <laughs> which is, I admit I should do more. I just got a sandwich on top of a full meal we had, <laughs> and I'm kind of feeling that maybe I should have done more caloric restriction. <laughs> But apparently caloric restriction actually refers to something a little more specific, right? So to begin with, I want to say that the put down the fork idea is actually kind of integral to caloric restriction. Okay, that does make sense. But scientifically, we're talking about something that goes back to about 1939. Caloric restriction, of course, has a very long history of like Indian gurus starving themselves, right? Sure, like, yeah. Like, some like Buddha shit. And I don't know, mystics out in the desert. And, right, people have been starving themselves for a while. Right. Scientific evidence goes back to 1939 in mm, experiments Nazi with rodents. Oh, okay. So normally when we do studies with rodents, we'll have them in little cages, and then we'll have this little food supply that's kind of positioned up in the top of their cage. The mice have to kind of stand up to like eat at it a little bit, yeah. and it gives them a little bit of exercise. But the main point is they get to eat however much they want, and then they stop when they're full. Yeah. It's called a ad libitum. Yeah. Scientists ad, ad libitum. Ad, ad libitum? I don't know. Anyway, so they get to eat as much as they want. A scientist kind of wondered what happens if you actually don't let them eat all that they want, just right. like a little bit. Yeah. And so when he restricted the amount of food that they were allowed to eat by cutting it in half, right. basically, he found that they lived a lot longer. Instead of dying in about two years, they died in like four to five years. Yeah, I saw this scene. That's what Kevin Bacon did to Magneto. What? Yeah, from X-Men First Class. Going back to Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Kevin Bacon was in that movie. Yeah, he played a Nazi. It was really funny. I don't even remember if he did an accent. Oh, he did? And then he just lost it. Like, then uh, we saw him five years later, and he's like, yeah, man. <laughs> Woo! What if I'm proud? <laughs> so, the goal in caloric restriction is to cut down on the calories you're bringing in without causing malnutrition. Okay. Right? Because uh, you could imagine that people could hear, like, okay... I can only eat a thousand calories a day, but I can eat whatever I want. And then right. it's just like nonstop Cheetos. But like you need vitamins, you need dietary like fiber. You know, yeah, don't even talk to me about Takis. They're too good. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help myself around just Takis. That's why I don't buy them anymore. Yeah, it's, like, the, I, yeah, it's too much. Anyway, <laughs> the purple Takis. Mm. So we're all on the same page here. Guadalajara and Takis. Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where they're from. Yeah, I mean. So... First thing that caloric restriction can do for you is that it can make you not as fat. Cool. Okay. Right? So you can lose some weight. And there are many, many comorbidities with being overweight. Right. Okay? So just in general, the bit is not being overweight can help you live longer mm. on average. Okay. There's this white visceral fat. <laughs> is that like is that like Michael Moore or something? <laughs> <laughs> Broadly, there's two kinds of fat. Well, fat can get broken down in a lot of ways. One of them is where the fat is. So there's subcutaneous fat. There's a layer of fat under your skin. Yeah. We'll talk about that more in our skin episode. And then there's also visceral fat. And visceral fat's kind of hanging around your organs and stuff like that. And yeah. Belly fat is visceral fat. Right? So you can like build up fat in those spots too. And then there's white fat and there's brown fat. And then now there's beige fat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
But white fat is kind of what we think of as like your standard storing energy kind of fat. And it's pretty pro-inflammatory and it can help promote diabetes and it can do things kind of in the sensing of when you're full. So the more white fat you have, the harder it can be to recognize that you're full. That's interesting. While eating. So caloric restriction can help reduce white visceral fat and it can also help promote what's called autophagy. Autophagy. Sacred fat. (laughs) Autophagy is when you look at a cell and then the cell wants to do a little bit of recycling and clean up internally. Okay, Mm. so it's got some organelles that are acting out and they're being a little shitty. Right. Or they have these extra proteins they don't need anymore or proteins that are kind of misfolded. Autophagy is basically eating itself. It's processing those organelles, breaking them down and making new ones. Yeah. So that recycling process means that generally speaking... You use more energy because it takes energy to do that. But everything in the end is kind of higher quality because it's new. Cool. You like made new organelles and everything. Caloric restriction can help promote that process. It can also help maintain telomerase activity. Um, You guys don't remember telomerases? 100% definitively linked with why you (laughs) age. (laughs) Sometimes I hate when you remember things I say. Because then you, you turn them the fuck wrong them. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Telomerases are the <laughs> enzymes that kind of fix the ends of your chromosomes, right? Oh my god, that is exactly right. Yeah. Fuck. Maybe even I secretly know some of these things before <laughs> reading the notes. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, that's very sneaky of you. I actually got a four on the AP bio test. That's pretty good. It's better than anyone thought of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Biology's the closest to history. Huh. I know that doesn't sound right, but compare it to chemistry, which is not like history. Yeah. And you start to see why it is like history. Yeah, I buy it. It's a lot more stories. Exactly. So, caloric restriction can also change metabolism by increasing fatty acid liver metabolism. So, it can reduce the amount of sugar that you're burning for energy and increase the amount of fat that you're burning for energy. Okay. And it can reduce inflammation through engaging the NLRP3 inflammasome. Sexy. Caloric restriction might not just be about eating less, but let's take a quick break and then I can talk a little bit more about what's called intermittent fasting. Hmm. Buddhism. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This week's sponsor is Poops, an at-home microbiome analysis service. They wanted to have me relay that they've received some confusion on their name, spelled P-U-M-L-O-T-U-P-S. Unfortunately, a lot of people miss the umlaut and have gone to their site looking for cute pictures of young dogs. But this realization has led them to a new product, Poops for Pups. Now you can have the microbiome of your sweet puppies analyzed. Every time you take them on a walk, you are throwing away troves of precious scientific data. Use Poops for Pups to learn about the inner workings of your dog and whether that expensive food you buy is actually helping them stay healthy. Sign up for Poop for Pups. That is... P umlaut U P S for P U P S and use promo code Petri Dish for twenty percent off. So we're back with intermittent fasting. Now, Sean, I grew up watching a, a little movie called uh, something Buddha. I don't remember the name anymore. Siddhartha. But- no, not that one. Little Buddha. Little Buddha. And it or has Keanu Reeves. Young, broad Buddha. Little Buddha was right. <laughs> <laughs> and Keanu Reeves, see, he's being like a Hindu ascetic, and he's not like eating barely anything. He's all skinny, and he can't think about Nirvana because he's too fucking hungry. Mm. And then he's like, you must find the middle way because he hears the sitar playing on the river. Everyone else has a Hindu accent. He doesn't. And he gets a bowl of rice. 
right? And he eats a little bit. And it turns out that maybe for Buddha, the trick is to eat a little bit sometimes instead of just fasting completely or being too gluttonous. Is that related to intermittent fasting? (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, actually. One thing I want to say is that we actually should do an entire episode about intermittent fasting because there's a lot more information in there. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna. But just broadly, what intermittent fasting is, is that you will take periods of time, usually 12 to 16 hours where you're not eating, and then give yourself something like an eight-hour window in the day where you are allowed to eat food. Right. But then the amount of food that you eat You can just kind of eat until you're full. Isn't it interesting how science seems to be our long-winded way to circle back to the basic divine truths given to us in the satras? (laughs) 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 It's like, why didn't we just listen to Shiva in the first place? Right, yeah. It's a little upsetting. Yeah. It's a little upsetting that we just circled on back. Well, anyway, so you have a period of time where you're allowed to eat. You're not supposed to eat too much. Uh, What's the science behind that? Yeah, so it seems like... Not only does intermittent fasting introduce a little bit of caloric restriction, because usually people, when they're eating until they're full, but only like two meals a day, that usually means they eat less than if they were eating three meals a day. Right. So you have a little bit of caloric restriction, but also something about the time window maybe sort of fits in or synergizes with our circadian rhythm, Mm. such that... There's kind of periods of time where your body is expecting you to be bringing in calories and periods of time where it's not. And part of that period of time is the nighttime plus a little bit of the morning. Right. Like that it was going to take you a little bit to get up and running to hunt for something. That makes sense. Right. And lastly, and the biology level with intermittent fasting, your body's glucose stores will drop down low enough where it'll start to need to burn other stuff for food during that period of time usually it takes about 12 hours for you to run out of your glucose stores and so after that point you'll start burning stuff like fatty acids right in the ketogenic pathway right i mean that's why you drink kombucha because it has ketonase (laughs) (laughs) ketone enzyme (laughs) that denatures uh, ketones (laughs) i think you drink kombucha because you're a hippie from portland but i've never had kombucha it tastes like a drink ew (laughs) (laughs) i only eat burgers sir Anyway, so, you know, I think more about intermittent fasting is going to be something that comes in the full episode, but I just will say that it's an idea related to caloric restriction, but actually caloric restriction has a little bit more research that's been done on it. Right. Intermittent fasting is like a little bit the dietary method that's kind of evolving out of definitive research. Right. And it's just because caloric restriction, especially when we do it on animals, is usually like a 30 to 50% decrease in your calories per day. Jesus. Which could mean a relatively hefty chunk of food every single day that you're not eating anymore. That would be easier for me than I like to admit, because basically it just means I would only get one Big Mac and not the two I usually get. <laughs> but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ponder that too much. But you're not gonna do it. <laughs> That's my second Big Mac. Yeah. It would be like eating a double order of orange chicken as your only meal of the day. That's crazy. I usually get a quad shot of orange chicken. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Okay, so to circle back, we're talking about aging and Basically, what Sean has, you know, rained on our parade, exercise and good diet. Yeah. So eating less, exercising. And apparently there's a type of thing, a type of food that fucks you bad. Don't eat this. So this one's a little complicated because there's some early evidence to suggest this, but it's kind of hard to say. There might be a specific amino acid, methionine, that for some reason, it seems to get used 
by your cells for epigenetic purposes. And when you lower the methionine intake in rodent diets, they live for longer. They seem to have more autophagy. Their epigenomes seem younger. I mean, that's not surprising. We've all seen Breaking Bad, right? Like, take a lot of methionine and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, you're going to, like, lose your teeth. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the methionine <laughs> epidemic. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, not crystal meth, but I appreciate it. Methionine is an essential amino acid, which means that we don't make it ourselves, so you have to consume some of it mm. to not be malnourished. It's just the thought is maybe we have too much of it in our diet or something like that. But in any case, it comes in fish, animal meat, Brazil nuts, mm. oats, and sunflower butter. Ah, well, boy, we really devolved into things I don't eat. <laughs> animal meat. Bra- well, no, no. I mean, oh, that, oh devolved, right, devolved. Right, so we started with a couple things that, like, I'm going to keep eating. Yeah. And then we, like, really quickly went straight into Brazil nuts, and yeah. that was, like, a sharp left turn for me. Yep. I was like, oh, I don't have to worry. <laughs> it's like, oats? What yeah. am I, fucking Puritan? Like, I don't know roots. <laughs> Methionine might not be the thing that you need to take care of. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so then the next one, well, I think we're getting increasingly controversial here in the yeah, notes. The next one is really fun, and it's something that we're definitely going to start just selling. <laughs> okay. Just young blood. Young blood. Yeah, just blood, but young um, <laughs> So, let's see, this is a joke on what? Silicon Valley or something like that. <laughs> that there's some rich tech dude that has a has like a blood bag boy, a blood boy, who like he'll get transfusions from and everything. But, yeah, I thought Silicon Valley was just a documentary for three seasons, <laughs> well, and it turned out to be functionally right. Yeah, yeah, this, this is roughly documentary level information in that there are some rich people who want to buy young person blood. It's the laziest satire. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, what's, what's the name of the guy in it? Mike Judge? Yeah. It's his laziest satire because it's actually <laughs> just true. Yeah. <laughs> and the idea, you know, you can remove all the cells so that you don't have like a bad immune reaction to getting some other blood type or some shit. Right. Because all you want is that juicy plasma. So why is it that young plasma will be any better than other plasma? That is not super clear. That That's, which is typical of most microdosy things that they do up there, huh? Right. So this is originally based on mouse and rat studies where they did something called heterochronic parabiosis. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, which is... Heterochronic, dude. That's <laughs> weed for straight people. I mean, the heterochronic is talking about the old and the young. Okay. Parabiosis oh. is the freaky part, which is that they hooked their bloodstreams up together while they were alive. Wow. Of the rats? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's a live attached to each other with their bloodstreams flowing into each other. Wow. Yes. And so what they found in those situations was that the old mice or rats in that pairing saw some reversals of signs of aging and seemed like they could kind of extend their lifespan. And the young mice got older faster. They got shittier from getting that old blood. Oh my god, this is the basis of an X-Files episode where... Like, they just did that. with people. Like... <laughs> yeah, this is probably... I mean, honestly, probably they probably inspired. heard about this experiment. You know that this idea put into Trump's America is a disaster! <laughs> Trump's just gonna walk around little orphan <laughs> just, like, attached to the hip. Oh, my God. It's gonna be bad, dude. I feel like even just the phrase orphan is immediately <laughs> well, disqualifying for a sentence. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, so that was the first experiment, and that's pretty wild. Yeah, Just that hooking is up the astounding. So then the next set of experiments was taking rats and then giving them young rat plasma, right? Okay. And so this is kind of a step removed. It's like, okay, there's a no little cells less involved anymore. Yeah. 
And what they saw was that both the livers and the brain showed more regenerative capacity. So okay. the livers were regenerating better. The brain, you saw these neurons being all sexy and young neurons learning shit real fast. But plasma still has just like a lot of stuff in it. It's got a right. lot of stuff in it. Right. It's got a lot of small molecules that we make, little metabolites, little hormones. And then it's also got just proteins, all kinds of proteins floating around. It is not clear what's the main thing doing this or if it's a bunch of things doing a little contribution because it's probably not super sustainable to just be like bleeding young people all the time yeah it would be nice if there was like a single thing in there that we're like oh that's the thing we need to make a lot of right but we don't know what it is yet Jeez. but there are a lot of companies now that want to sell young blood plasma to inject this stuff is not fda approved sure because <laughs> um, no one has finished a clinical trial to show that this meaningfully works in people but there are clinical trials happening yeah Okay, well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is this is a legit enough finding that it has been worth doing. It's a actually trial. spurred. Right. Yeah. It's just nobody's finished one yet, and right. so we don't know how much it helps. One other thing I'll say about clinical trials with aging that's just something to keep in mind is the outcome we actually care about from aging is how long do you live and how well, right? So it kind of requires... That's keeping a, tabs for a few decades. Right. That's a crazy amount of time. So usually clinical trials will try to use proxies of like different health markers ah, okay. or things like, you know, blood pressure. and you know, But they're still ultimately a rough approximation for death. Right, right. It's like the clinical trials, I think, would like to, if they have enough funding and time, to eventually do follow-ups way later. Right. But like rich people need blood now. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're dying. So they, they need it. <laughs> So, you know, like if I were recommending any rich people who came up to me, which they're not going to, but if they ever did come up to me and asked if like they should be sucking blood out of people, I would say no. Because first of all, you don't want to swallow it. You want it to go into your bloodstream. Yeah, I don't. I spit, not swallow. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that so long as everyone's uh, getting paid for their blood, then, you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. I think we all know, though, that like in 50 years, let's say this happens, we're going to be watching a YouTube video where they're talking about young children and be like, oh, but some, they're endangered because they're harvested for traditional Chinese blood medicine. <laughs> True. Like, yes. yeah, I think, I think we yeah. know that that's where it's yeah. going to end up. Young people will go the same way as like the white rhino and shit like that. Yeah. Yep. Elon Musk is definitely already drinking young blood. Because Stacey and I were looking at a photo of him in 99, and that yeah. motherfucker is going so bald so fast in 1999. <laughs> he's the nebbish looking vampire PayPal fucking baldy motherfucker. Yep. And now he's all virile and shit. Yep. That guy's drinking blood. <laughs> okay, again, injecting blood. No, but he's drinking blood. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's drinking it too, but you don't want to be drinking it because you'll right. digest the blood. You need to talk to him. Listen, I'm telling you, rich people, you don't listen to our podcast. But if you did... Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in any case, don't drink the blood. Inject the plasma. You know okay? goop blood's going to be a thing real fast. What is? Goop blood. Oh. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, free range blood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cageless Organic. blood. Right. <laughs> Non-GMO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't put kids in cages. Take their blood. Goop blood. Okay. So we got one more, guys. Uh Okay, we don't have one more, but we got one really kinky big one. It's so, mellifluous. <laughs> Metformin. Oh. Okay. Metformin is a small molecule drug. Metformin is like the one blue collar guy who works at the Met. <laughs> He's like, we gotta move these pains fast! <laughs> who put up this pain? <laughs> Looks like my mother's gotcha. <laughs> this stuff is dog shit. Yeah, I was thinking George Foreman's younger brother, Met. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I got you. Okay, so it's a small molecule. 
And it's been blowing up the scientific literature and some of the popular news uh -oh. uh, relating to fighting aging. Metformin is actually an old drug. It's been around for a long time. It is FDA approved, but it's FDA approved for type 2 diabetes. Okay. Uh, where actually it is probably the first line drug that's used. So cool. like you find out you have type 2 diabetes, right off the bat, doctor's like, let's get you some metformin. Mm, okay? okay. Before you're even injecting insulin, they're like metformin. Damn. Okay. And it can help restore glycemic balance in part by reducing how much glucose your liver makes. Okay. So if the concern is, oh, you got too much glucose going around your bloodstream, metformin can try to help balance that out a little bit. Okay, cool. Metformin is actually originally derived from herbal medicine. Cool. Okay. European herbal medicine. Wow. All right. In this case, extracted from the French lilac. Okay, that's cool. Okay. I like that. So sometimes herbal medicine is not bullshit. And we find out, and then we make a lot of money off of it. I mean, like, a lot of herbal medicine has, like, a chemical yep. that's valuable inside it. And then we extract it, and then hippies say we're poisoning them. I mean, that's right. the cycle of this. One thing I will say is that herbal medicine covers so many potential items, it's hard to even know what a lot means. Right. right. Some herbal medicine definitely has chemicals in it that does something. But, like, there is also herbal medicine that takes stuff that, like... Maybe that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Sure. It's just you kind of group it into the whole batch, right? Rhino horn, as we were talking about earlier. Right. So someday we'll do an episode about herbal medicine, too. Maybe mixed in with homeopathy. So here's the thing. Diabetes and sort of the associated dysfunctional nutrient sensing, glucose levels, insulin growth factor levels, all this shit, they're all also associated with the same kinds of damage that's associated with aging. Sure. I mean, we talked about how linked those are anyway. Right. Yeah. And so, it seems like taking metformin in the process of helping fight diabetes can actually help reverse a lot of these issues that we would consider aging. Also. That's why the lilac is one of the symbols of the uh, French royal houses. That's why? Yeah. <laughs> so they could all be vampires they would, forever? Yeah, lilacs and young blood. <laughs> what kings of France would bathe in. <laughs> so, the kind of big question here is... Does metformin actually help with people who have normal glycemic levels sure. and don't have diabetes? And it does in mice. Right. Male mice. In the male mice that they tested, it does extend their lifespan. It was also found that overdosing them on metformin lowers life expectancy. Hilarious. <laughs> so don't OD on metformin. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah. That's like, that's some advice you could actually take is don't OD on it. Metformin, aside from what it does in the liver regarding making glucose and everything and all that, it can also seem to be anti-inflammatory. It reduces LSD and cholesterol levels. <laughs> LDL, that's the quote-unquote naughty cholesterol. Uh, yes, and so it can reduce LDL levels. Low-density <laughs> love? What does it stand for? Low-density lipoprotein. Pretty close. Yeah. Lipoprotein's love. Lipoprotein is love. Folgers. <laughs> And in some cases, the outcomes from metformin administration in mice is very similar to caloric restriction in mice. Okay. Like biologically, what seems to happen, they seem related to each other pretty closely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Metformin might also impact the gut microbiome. A lot of times it's okay. given orally, and the first thing that it's going to run into really uh, is, is that gut. Right, is the bacteria hanging out in your gut. Okay. And it's a small molecule, so it's small enough to get inside bacteria and potentially affect them. Okay. And the impact of that is it seems like maybe it makes those gut microbes produce more of something called short-chain fatty acids. Okay, that's the good stuff. Right. That's like one of the hippest, hottest words in sort of gut microbiome nutrition shit. Mm. 
Metformin might also impact the gut microbiome in reducing some species of bacteria that can deplete bile. Mm. So um, there are currently clinical trials to see if metformin increases lifespan in people when taken alone. And a recent paper that had people take metformin along with human growth hormone and a precursor steroid called DHEA. They found that the epigenomes of the people that took that stuff looked like that of a younger person. That's cool. So that one full year of that treatment made people look 2.5 years younger epigenetically. Cool. Uh, But the study has caveats. Yes, it does. A closer read of how they did the study found that, first of all, it was 10 people. They were all dudes. Right, sure. There was no control group. So there was no group of people that didn't get the drug. It was just all 10 of them got the drug. And the study was done by people who have a stake in a company that's trying to sell this kind of stuff. There's like an asterisk at the end of the study. It says at the bottom, like, like made up for literary class. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I will say that's nice is that there has been more and more of a push at the end of papers for there to be a conflict of interest section. Oh, that's good. Where people are required to disclose if they have any kind of relationship or any kind of financial interest in the results. That's pretty funny, because you can imagine, like, how many decades of big tobacco being like, smoking's good for you, did it take for us to get to the point where they have a section about that? Right, and, like, the studies that implicated high fat in diets of being bad for heart health, paid for by the sugar companies... In like the 70s and 80s. It's like how left, right, and center, whenever they're talking about Buttigieg, Josh Barrow is like, and disclosure, my husband and I have threesomes with Pete Buttigieg. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing better than expected, don't you guys think? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. So let's take a break. After the break, we're going to talk about other drugs. (laughs) Hey, guys. Mickey Mouse here. Have you ever wondered how I've stayed so young for all these decades? Outliving the puny mortals who created me? Ho, ho, ho! Incidentally, have you ever wondered what happens to the thousands of orphan children who go missing in Disneyland every year? For $50 a month, ho, ho, you can feel the answer with Disney Blood! We provide you the blood transfusions every month from the finest free-range blood the most magical place on Earth can harvest from its slavish youthful fans! Ho, ho, ho! These transfusions have all the sorts of wacky, bland, fantastical compounds that will rejuvenate your body on the molecular level. You can stay young for centuries, just like me and all my Disney brand friends. Don't die. Defy the natural order. Those kids, they don't want their blood anyway. They want to help you live forever. With the most magical place on Earth. It's Disney Blood! Okay, guys, we're back with Petri Dish. Now we're going to talk about some other drugs that might be linked to aging or inhibiting aging. We're starting with rapamycin. Ooh, boy. Yeah, rapamycin. That's Um, pretty similar. Yeah, it's close, except it was a little less rapey. (laughs) So it's an inhibitor of a protein called mTOR, which actually stands for... Fucking awesome 80s movie. (laughs) mTOR! That's dope. (laughs) It does sound like a Masters of the Universe type thing. Yeah. M-Tor. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like He-Man fights M-Tor on yeah. his way Fighter to Skeletor. Fighter of the D-Tor. Oh. M-Tor stands for mammalian target of rapamycin. So actually cool. the protein is named after the drug. 
And it's responsible for a lot of different kinds of signaling and cell-level metabolism. Okay. When you take rapamycin, it extends the lifespan of a lot of model organisms. Okay. okay. So, like, little Kate wormy Moss. worms. Oh, okay. Oh, models! Hey! Uh, yeah, baby. I like your brain. <laughs> it's okay sometimes. I'm just hopping around. So, in humans, rapamycin and similar kinds of drugs, like tocrolimus are used for immunosuppression during organ transplants. Okay, so you like you get a new organ, you need to keep your immune system from attacking it. And so rapamycin and similar drugs can do that kind of thing. But the question is, can you actually use rapamycin in people to combat aging without just broadly suppressing our immune system? Right. Because, like, if we can live longer but also we're dying from infections all the time, that's not great. But this drug is in clinical trials to look at its effects in aging. So we'll see how that turns out. Okay, now we got sirtuin activator. Yes. Activators of sirtuins do expand or extend lifespan in non-human primates and mice. Clinical trials so far in humans have been conflicting or negative. How's it work in, like, are we talking like lemurs? Like real dumb primates? Like, why does it work in dumb primates and not us? All right, so usually when we say non-human primates, the two that we mean are crab-eating macaques. (laughs) Or... (laughs) (laughs) Crab-eating macaque! (laughs) Or chimpanzees. Okay. But usually macaques. The classic sirtuin activator is resveratrol, which you oh, talked about in our yeah. booze episode. Yeah. That's the one in red wine. People are like, oh, I'm so healthy now. And yeah. Like downing a bottle of cap. Yeah. So, I did that last night. <laughs> I'm like, I'll spruce up with resveratrol right yeah, now. Yeah, look at you. You're going to live. And a whoop ass now. <laughs> You're going to outlive your liver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard to say why the resveratrol is not having an effect in humans in clinical trials while it is in non-human primates, maybe it's an issue of dosing or bioavailability. The fuck is that? Bioavailability means you can give somebody a pill and they take it orally, but maybe 90% gets digested by your stomach acid. And so really only 10% even had a chance of getting inside of your body. Now we have non-aggression declaration precursors. Yeah, NAD. NAD and sometimes it's derivatives and stuff like that, like nicotinamide riboside and nicotinamide mm. mononucleotide or so NMN. Derivative. NMN. So you might see these actually. Like these supplements get sold to people. If you Google them, you'll pull up like an Amazon page to buy like a tub of it or something cool. like that. Do you remember NAD, NADH, NADPH? Yeah, kind of. All of that stuff has to do with metabolism inside the cell. Shit's important. Yeah, NAD is an important carrier for that whole energy process. And your NAD levels do decrease with age. Okay. And so there's this hypothesis that saw that was like, okay, what happens if we just don't let it decrease? We keep supplementing the NAD levels to keep it from decreasing. And what they saw was that in mammals that they've tested this out in, it does extend lifespan. Human efficacy has not been demonstrated, but also has not been disproved. Okay. It just means that it's in trials and they're working on it. Okay. Supplement companies are already definitely selling this shit. Great. <laughs> so, uh... Mad precursors. So, we, we don't know. We don't know if it works or not, but believe me, it's definitely being sold. The very small human trials that have been completed show that it's safe. Right. But don't know if it's effective. Yeah. So, one of the things that I mentioned earlier in the metformin... Right. Category was DHEA. Yeah, DHEA. And that's dehydroepiandrosterone. And it's 
probably the most common steroid hormone in the blood. Well, in our blood, not in Lance Armstrong's. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yes, very fair. It's kind of a precursor to both testosterone and estradiol, mm. as in it got taken and then inside the cell got turned into either one of those. Okay, cool. It seems to do its own signaling separate from being turned into either one, but it isn't totally clear what effects it has. But similar to NAD, DHEA also significantly decreases in the blood as you get older. Hmm. And so same sort of hypothesis. What happens if you supplement it, right? And it isn't clear if that's the direction that the causal link works, right? right? It's not clear if dropping levels increases aging or if it's just like hey other shit causes aging and that makes these levels drop or right but so far clinical trials that have been done don't suggest that it does very much mm. except for that one with metformin and it only works with dudes it only works with dudes very sexist yeah yes as is all biology so growth hormone is another one that's out there right now and taking human growth hormone can increase muscle mass and reduce body fat Mm. It also might be able to help keep the thymus functional for longer. Thymus is a place uh, that's important for immune function, and that kind of just gradually gets shittier with time. Yeah, you don't have to tell me about thymus fucking. What? Okay, I'm all about that. I get, mm. I get thick of that thymus. Oh, no. I'm saying I get in there. That's fucked up. <laughs> um, human growth hormone also, however, contributes to insulin resistance which means that it can have a relationship with diabetes that's not very good and can be very pro-aging. And so the jury's a little out on whether growth hormone helps or hurts overall. But we're putting it together with the other shit. Right. So that's why in that study they paired human growth hormone with metformin because metformin helps fight diabetes. Okay. And would helpfully kind of take the edge off of the growth hormone. We're right? putting together our young blood serum. Right. It's got all the good stuff in it. Right. And so maybe maybe this shit is the, uh, you know, maybe it'll end up being a blend. So what drives me nuts about this whole conversation, right, is fucking lobsters, they get to, I mean, not really live forever, but kind of. Yeah. Elrond gets to live forever. Jellyfish get to live forever. Yeah. Why can't I turn back into a polyp? And like, at some point, immortality is obviously a disease hoisted on us by an increasingly senile god. Why don't we overthrow him and just subtle knife our way out of this one? Why can't we be biologically immortal? Uh, I just give this whole long, like, this whole fucking episode, right? right? Was all this stuff that might help you live a little bit longer, or might make your life better quality while you're living, however long, right? But it's not really clear if any one of these things is going to actually make you live past 120 or something, right? Okay. Which is, I'm, I, I mean, I want more than that. Yeah, and the ancient Taoists would not jizz to try to live forever. They thought you were losing precious bodily fluid. But then other Taoists are like, you need to jizz a lot. It was a big schism in Taoism. There are several subreddits that feel similarly. <laughs> <laughs> Taoist first incels. There's well, also, actually, vocels. There's a subreddit called NoFap. <laughs> and conceptually, it's like, don't, don't masturbate because it'll store up your energies. Dude, my morning is like, <laughs> is like heretical to them. <laughs> yeah. You're like a serial, you're like target number one. On yeah, 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 yeah. So there's... There's a lot of scientists that feel like you do, Nathan, that they want a lot more time. Yeah. And they formed a uh, foundation Ooh. called SENS, Ooh. or the Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence Research Foundation. Bad name. Yeah. Huh? It should just be like, 
Live forever group. Live strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wait, that's, that's the Lance Armstrong thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and they have the goal of lengthening the window of good living, preferably indefinitely. Okay. Now, what they say is that there are seven problems that need to get hit probably simultaneously. And all in- of them are like a very big deal, though. Yes. Yeah. So, problem number one, cell loss. Troll. Okay. Okay. And so cells die and shit, right? So... What they're saying is, all right, we need to engineer stem cells and we need to engineer tissue so that we can like grow like extra liver tissue right. in the lab and just like fucking slap that into people. Okay, cool. We need to be able to seed stem cells into people to help regenerate tissue. We need to fight cancer. Right, because cancer gets worse and worse right. as we get older. Right. And so they sort of blase kind of say like, so cure cancer. Problem right. solved. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that's like my entire job. Whatever, dudes mitochondrial whoopsies okay so as we mentioned in the last episode the mitochondria is a major place where a lot of reactive oxygen species gets turned out so we gotta engineer those guys yeah and carbon neutral one of their pitches is to put a lot of the mitochondrial genome they have their own genes take that genome and shove it into our genome because our genome kind of has a lot more protection going on and so a lot of those genes are probably going to be safeguarded better if it's in our genome rather than in their own separate genome. So we just kind of just hopped into mad science pretty fast. Yes. Well, certainly I'm not actually even sure how much this would help. I haven't seen experimental evidence that this would matter. Okay. But if it did matter, hey, that's cool, man. Yeah. You know, whatever. Go for it. They want to circumvent death-resistant cells. Oh. Which is to say, there are some cells in your body, like senescent cells, okay, that they, aren't really doing anything but are resistant to the idea of committing suicide. Right. And these we guys, need to euthanize those fuckers. These guys want to push them over the edge. Okay. Maybe some kind of targeted treatment stuff, an antibody-based treatment, maybe. Okay. Not only can your cells go bad, but the environment outside your cells can go bad. Stuff like collagen right. and fibrinogen and everything. Yeah. And for that, you need tissue engineering to fix it. Okay. Still complicated. Extracellular aggregates. This is stuff for like Alzheimer's and stuff. Right. Right. And so you need to engineer maybe special immune cells to eat up the extracellular right. stuff. Lysosomes, the organelle. Right. To, to eat some shit in the cell. Right. So they say these things in sentences when really what they mean are like decades. Right. They um, write in verse, but we must write in prose. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I All don't right. know. <laughs> that sounds okay. Um, so, I appreciate their passion. <laughs> yeah. And their willingness to take a long view of things. Right. But I think that anybody reading about Sen's stuff should look at it with just keeping in mind that, like, they're talking about stuff that's decades and decades and decades more research. Yeah, we will probably be dead by the time some of this stuff is figured out, if at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. You and know? they'll probably just hit certain roadblocks because, you know, it's God's will that we die. Some of these ideas might not work out at all. Right. But we'll see. At the same time, like, even if all of that stuff does get nailed down, we, of course, can still die from diseases and bullets and climate change and all kinds of stuff. So, right. you know, there's all of that still. But it's, it's kind of an interesting food for thought. There's kind of one last idea that Sens actually didn't mention, but I've started reading a few papers on recently there's another group of scientists right that think that a lot of aging the genomic damage part that's the part where your dna is yeah. getting fucked there's up. some bad apples in the dna right coming from something called transposable elements or transposons mm. Mm. and these transposons are little chunks of dna that can kind of whoop, whoop, hop out yeah. of one spot and then insert themselves in a different spot mm. gotta build a wall 
<laughs> but these guys, they would just hop right over that wall, baby. MS-13 DNA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So they're very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that when they reinsert themselves into some other part of the DNA, they might break a gene somewhere. And so there is actually a system in cells that already existed, like, try to stop transposons. Called PWPRN? I think we just ate that. We just went to a Brazilian <laughs> restaurant. I think we ordered a slice of Pee Wee Piranha. Yes, it's <laughs> Pee Wee and Pi RNA. I still like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Pee Wee, by the way, stands for P-Element-Induced Wimpy Testes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, girl. P-Element-Induced Wimpy Testes. What did you not get about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay, cool. Okay. I'm on this train. So... So the uh, the <laughs> the reason why it's called that is because they discovered it in flies. Oh, it's a testes fly. And, no, no, it's, it's fruit flies. But the, oh. the, all fly scientists are always waiting for their chance to name a gene something ridiculous. Yeah. And usually it's named after what the phenotype of the fly is. Okay. So they found a fly that was a mutant. Yeah. Its balls were fucked up. Oh, wow. Like wimpy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it had like small balls. Wow, man! And the scientists were like, "Wimpy testes." Oh, my and then God. they went and found what gene broke to cause wimpy testes, and they're like, "All right, we just we just named this fucker." Oh man! P elements induced wimpy testes. Fucking scientists are such nerds, dude. I you know. guys are so nebbish. Uh, yeah, well, what are you gonna do? It's so like you, you're handsome. Cells. You guys who don't know, Sean's very strong. <laughs> <laughs> we did a whole commercial where you called me ugly. Uh, yeah, but that was a lie. I'm going to do a commercial where I call you handsome. All right. So <laughs> cells with peewee pi RNA turned on seem to show less aging and genomic damage over time. And you see this already turned on in some immortal animals like Planaria and Hydra. Cool. You know, maybe some kind of sophisticated system for turning on this system in our cells temporarily might work or something. The issue is that this peewee system also can increase the chance of cancer. And you'd need some kind of special gene modification tools like CRISPR, but, you know, CRISPR that works really well. Yeah. So it's it's a little sci-fi-ish to be talking about it super seriously right now, but it is an interesting system. Okay. And maybe, maybe it'll help us be immortal. Okay. So I think, you know, to wrap up, you're not going to live forever within this lifetime, which I guess means you're not going to live forever. Yep. If you're rich, you'll be sold all sorts of bullshit that may make you a little bit healthier but really, at the end of the day, just exercise, have a good diet, eat some midichlorians, and, <laughs> you know, you might make it to 120. There are legitimately people out there who are trying to make a lot of money selling supplements and stuff like that. And I guess I would say things like NAD and other NAD precursors, things like metformin, there's scant evidence that they work. But if you have a lot of money and you don't mind gambling... They don't seem to have really terrible side effects. Yeah, you they don't I mean? stop the car from hitting you, though. That's true. Right. That's true. Or when the revolution comes, they yeah. don't keep the proles from killing you. Or the wildfire. True. Yeah. Yes. There's all sorts of other things, external variables, outside of our control in this capricious, amoral world. If you were going to live past 50, what would you do with the rest of your time? God, I think I'd finally write that novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. With all that extra time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great, the great Korean novel. What if you were frozen in, like, at least this level of sexiness? You know? Like, no further So, I continue to be unfuckable well, when I'm no, unfrozen. You can, you can start working out if you want. Okay, okay, let's not throw ideas out in front of Stacey, all right? 
But okay, we finish your question though. You're you because I think that's part of the idea here also, right? Overall, is that some people are talking about wanting to be immortal, but every time that I've ever brought up being immortal with somebody, they'll ask the second question, which is, do I just keep getting shittier and shittier? Right. Right. It's actually a Greek myth about that. Oh, yeah? Some broad, some goddess wished that her human lover could live forever, and they granted it, but she forgot to mention aging. Mm. And so he just turned slowly. He withered all the way down eventually to a little cricket that she would keep with her and to hear its chirp at night. Oh, yeah. so crickets are like really old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I buy it. <laughs> yeah, so which one of those is more important to people, I think is kind of an actually interesting question. Of course, right? then, and the good thing is that the remedies are linked, right? <laughs> Having good habits will help you age more elegantly to your inevitable grave, and the grave will come a little later for you, excepting wildfires, revolutions, and cars. Right, yeah. Like I said kind of earlier, there's something that's similar to like a hard cap, it seems like, at 120 right now, as far as we can tell. Yeah. And some scientists are very focused on like, why 120? Yeah. You know, why not 500? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just your odds of dying at like 180 are so ridiculously high, nobody makes it. Right. Right. But that's not the way it is. It's like, it seems like 120 is as far as we go. Right. So, you know, maybe some of the stuff's going to help with that. Yeah. But I do think largely... Something everyone is concerned about now, because a lot of people have seen an elderly person in their life pass away in some kind of way that, you know, I think, I think makes you kind of, uh, it brings up questions about like the dignity of human life and like being able to choose when you go and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that being able to live better for longer. Right. Is maybe at the forefront here. And for that, exercising and eating well are really kind of two of the key things. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you're not immortal yet. <laughs> so hurry up and sign up for our Patreon. Wow. Yeah. PetriDish.com slash Patreon. That's not it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash PetriDish. Yeah. <laughs> also, you can tweet us. You can email us. You can call us. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 310 <laughs> baby. Ooh. Okay. Thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord. Yes, and to Brian Allen, our art master. Guys, you have a beautiful day. Ich benign science. See you guys next time. Nicht, 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 nicht.